Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 381. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, let's get it cracking. I wasn't thinking of big, large monsters that came out of the sea, but now I am. Or uh, hockey teams in Seattle. Nope, that was never, ever, ever what was going to be in my head. Uh, all I know about hockey is that someone got their throat slit, like, in the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in the UK league, it's really grisly, and I didn't go and look at the video. I just, you know... I would probably safety. recommend not looking at the video. Yep. Because it was being so, televised, so obviously it was all captured on... Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Connor, Connor messaged me, and he goes, did you hear about this? And I was like, no. And he goes, don't go looking for the video, it's grisly. And I was like, don't don't you worry, buddy. Yeah, yeah, speaking of grisly, where is Connor, you might be asking? Uh, Connor is at Thought Bubble this weekend, so he, he might even have some scoops when he gets back, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully. He might know things about comics. Uh, that'd be a first but... for, yeah, like, <laughs> for the first time ever <laughs> so yeah uh, this is a DC Comics podcast we talk about the DC books we read every week coming up on this week's show we have Batman 1 through 9, Birds of Prey issue 3, Shazam issue 5, Poison Ivy 16, Blue Beetle issue 3 and I get a Patreon book of Batman and the Outsiders issue 8 so that's what's coming up on the show so it's a later week 1 things are busier over the next couple of weeks as it's kind of been typical these past few months so uh but yeah we'll get into everything before we do though um the, so the new marvel movie is out this weekend the marvels uh, as it is titled which I, I have no real interest in seeing i've not seen the last few outside the guardians I, I just you know i'm out it's fine but uh the reason why i wanted to bring it up is because it's tracking to have a really low box office and it's not doing well internationally and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh all, all signs are pointing to it being one of the lowest performing movies i've ever done one of the biggest drops from a first movie to a second movie the first movie made like a billion dollars this one mm-hmm. might make 200 million worldwide when, when it's done that seems to be kind of the the rough estimates uh it's tracking for a lower opening weekend in the flash so uh but the reason i don't really want to talk too much about the mcu because like honestly i'm sick of talking about the mcu right like the bubble burst for me a long time ago i think there's a general fatigue when it comes to that whole thing anyway i think the more interesting thing that's more relevant to our show is do you think the fatigue of the mcu is inherently a problem for dc movies not so much the next couple that are you know like aquaman 2 I'm, I'm thinking more when james gunn's new universe sort of kickstarts properly with the superman movie i would have to say that they've got a bigger uphill battle just because i think the feeling of superhero movies in general right now is that no we're sick of those we want other things and that's why oppenheimer and barbie and even the mario movie did so well this year whilst everything else disney are pumping out all pretty much plummeted so yeah i definitely there's an oversaturation across the board with things and that's why the barbies and the oppenheimers and mario's kind of stood out because those are all adaptations right i mean oppenheimer's based on a true story yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you call it you know i, I guess it's an adaptation technically mm-hmm. I, I don't tend to think of uh based yeah, on a true yeah. story as an adaptation but i guess in a way as an adaptation of true life yeah because <laughs> it, it's not fully original right like yeah, yeah, it's based it's, off of actual things that happen it's not a new and, ip i suppose is the way you'd put it no and, and you know and of course they added their own narratives to you know make it fit whatever story they're telling and stuff but i definitely think there's 
a fatigue across both TV and um, and movies when it comes to big time superhero stuff. Stuff like The Boys and Invincible, um, I feel because they they have their own niche, right? Uh, and they have you know pretty good word of mouth and critical praise. I think people still get excited for those, but when you look at a lot of like the Marvel shows and that type of stuff, I think people are just they're kind of like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. Well, I, there's no I, there's no appointment type stuff anymore. I, th- I think the, the thing is, though, The Boys still feels like it has something to say when you get a new mm-hmm. season of that, or even Gen V, it's spinoff that just mm-hmm. happened. That's, um, Gen V is the some, something that I wasn't aware of actually what it was until I had talked to you and then I looked it up. Um, because there was just general uh, genuine buzz across my social medias about it, mm. you know, um, which I can't say the same when it comes to s- typical superhero movies and, and Star Wars for that matter, you know. Um, yeah yeah no it's true so, well, what they've done to marvel they've kind of also done they did, they did it to star wars quicker amazingly which mm-hmm. is mind-boggling if you think back to like just yeah. just a decade ago if you'd said oh disney are going to start pumping out star wars movies and don't get me wrong there's always going to come a point when the general audience is going to turn on something and they're going to get mm-hmm. sick of it but if you told me how quickly that was going to happen with Star Wars once they started mm-hmm. pumping those out, I would have been... I'd have said you were crazy. There was no there was no way that in less than five years people are going to be sick of Star Wars and we're, one of them will have bombed. But it happened. Yeah. Solo kind of bombed. And, uh, yeah. 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 Well, Solo, Rise of Skywalker, both of those didn't do as well as... No, nah, Rise of Skywalker still made a lot of money. Like that's, Did it? That was still like a billion dollars, yeah. Or close oh, to, wow. at least. Yeah. So wow. don't be wrong. It was still a significant bit down from Force Awakens, yeah. which you know was breaking mm-hmm. all sorts of records. I think it was two billion yeah. at the box office. But I, yeah. it's just, yeah, like I, I think that honestly, Disney Plus may be the worst thing that happened to the MCU. I think it just diluted mm-hmm. everything. It's made people feel like it's too much to keep up on, yeah. and probably just made people realize. Because I, I did some math the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. I was curious, so. If you add up all of the hours of the MCU up until Endgame, including Endgame, that, and that's so keep in mind that's 2008 to 2019, that's 11 years of movies. It adds up to just under 50 hours, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it was like 49 hours and something. All of the content after Endgame, which is 2020 to now, and this is not including the Marvels or even the two seasons of What If, I just kind of left that separate. Yeah. It was like 54 hours something in just four years. So that I think that puts it in perspective just how much more content they're cranking out on a mm-hmm. on a yearly basis. So we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I think when you look at their list of movies that are coming out over the next couple of years, and they just delayed a bunch of them. There's only one coming out in 2024 now, and that's yeah. uh, Deadpool. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything else has been pushed to at least 2025. Uh, mm. It doesn't look at like. You know, I, I, something tells me that Thunderbolts or or uh, Captain America Four or, or you know these other movies that are planned, I just I don't see them being I, huge hits again. I remember talking about this maybe eight years ago with the Star Wars and the Marvel, and being like, I think it's a little bit too much. It's when Marvel started popping out two or three movies a year. So whenever that started to really get into the, it was it was phase three, which is which. Finally enough, is where I started to feel it. I, I yeah. Civil War was the movie where I went, oh, I think this isn't working for me that much anymore. Yeah, and I still liked Infinity War and Endgame, but mm-hmm. a lot of Phase Three, I was more lukewarm on, and then I didn't even stand a chance with Phase Four. But Phase Four seems yeah. to be the phase that's 
killed a lot of other people's interest. Over but, but I remember trying to point this out to people. I'm like, man, it's like it's a lot. And so I remember people telling me, like, just just be happy with what you get. Just you should be just happy that they're putting out all of these superhero movies. I'm like, yeah, but if it's to varying qualities, it's gonna hurt in the long run, isn't it? You know. Um, and yeah, I didn't want it to, right? I want this stuff to succeed. Although secretly, I do kind of miss the outsider aspect of of like Star Wars and comics, to where not everybody had opinion about them. Well, you know, yelling into the void. <laughs> the good, you know? the good news for you, Matt, and this, you're going to like this. So you're going to feel old as mm-hmm. I tell you this. Yeah. But, well, a, but apparently, right, one of the reasons why the movies aren't maybe doing as quite as well is that the MCU is more mm-hmm. of a millennial thing and the Zoomers aren't as into it and don't really care about it. Right? So part of it may just be that we're aging out. I mean, I, I was already sick mm-hmm. of it anyway, so it's not like it applies to all yeah, millennials, but... You, but I, I wouldn't think that you have typical taste of, of millennials. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're, you've always been a bit away from all of that stuff. Like, you were brought here by the Nolan Bat movies, right? Um... Versus me, where I've I've come in with like all sorts of superhero stuff, back from the like the '90s cartoons and whatnot. Um, I, so mean, I, I, did, cons- I mean, I did grow up watching what? Batman the animated series. Now, that's not pretend. Yeah, but like, were were you reading comics in, no. in those times? No, I didn't yeah, read comics yeah. until yeah, I was a teenager. That was that right. was a later and, thing. Right, and so like again, and I wasn't reading them every month, but like my first Flash comic was a Mark Wade one from like '93 that you know I remember buying at the grocery store. So, like, I do feel that despite us being kind of close in age, it's almost kind of too, like, you're, again, you're, I always say you're a special case. I always check with a couple people on certain things, and you're one of them. Um, so, that's where I can get my barometer. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I just, I want this stuff to be good, because I, I like, I generally do like going to the movies and seeing, like, big superhero-y stuff. It's just, I, I think the fatigue's there, too. Um, even for me and my wife, my wife loves all the Marvel stuff and Marvel's is the first thing is the first MCU mo- MCU movie that we're not seeing opening weekend. And it's kind of like, how oh, do you want to go to the theater? Eh, not really. Um, you know, it might be on Disney plus soon. Although again, a lot of people that I trust are, are saying good things about it. So that might be enough to get me to the theaters, but it is kind of sad. And I am worried about Superman because I feel like Superman always takes the brunt of all of this stuff, you know, whether it be returns or man of steel and now legacy. I always just feel like the timing's a little bit off for Clark. That's the ask good point. They always seems to <sighs> returns came at a time before we were in MCU land yet. And we were just trying to sort of be nostalgia filled for the old movies with, uh, mm-hmm. with what they were doing. Man of Steel was the wrong creative uh, mm-hmm. trying to sort of both bank off the MCU being a big thing by that point, but also sort of follow up Nolan's trilogy and kind of whiffing on both of those fronts. Mm-hmm. And then Legacy could have this unfortunate... I mean, this is the sad part, is that a lot of these movies are quite mediocre, and I think a lot of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. are mediocre. The sad part is, though, is that if Superman Legacy is like a genuinely fantastic Superman movie it might still bomb because Mm -hmm. the simple truth is is that the general audience don't think superman's as cool and not only that they're not excited by superheroes anymore and Mm -hmm. 
that, that's the big thing that I keep I keep people I keep seeing people talking about. You know, a lot of Phase Four and Five are all these like B, C tier characters and whatnot, and Marvel could get away with that with say Guardians of the Galaxy because everyone said when Guardians was coming out, no one uh-huh. knows who these guys are, well, they, and it didn't matter because the yeah. the wave was riding high, the movie was good, and it did well. Now though, you put out, you know whatever character or yeah even the marvels like ten, one of them is already in a movie the other two mm-hmm. were only on disney plus shows and it feels like no one gives a shit and i mm-hmm. feel like inspiring that in people again is going to be quite tough uh, i think the simple truth is is that none of these things can ever last forever and yeah. companies always want them to last forever they always want infinite growth and i, I will say that purely from a an analyzing the industry point of view because again I'm out in the MCU. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch any of these things anymore, really. But right. just from analyzing the industry and the choices that Kevin Feige gets to make over the next few years, or even if he's the one making the choices, if if Disney aren't happy with what's going on, all of that's going to be interesting to watch. Just as a sort of casual observer who's not really investing in the actual content itself. But yeah, that makes it easier to just kind of watch the fireworks. I guess from yeah. my perspective. Yeah, and that that's the thing too is like, um, if if you go and you watch these movies and you like them, cool. If you don't like them, I'm sorry, but like, you know, I'm just gonna sit back on the sidelines and just try to enjoy the things that I enjoy, you know, um, you know, and and as of right now, I I can't tell you the last movie I was excited to go see at the movie theater, you know. Uh, and that's not including like a superhero thing. I just think right now, because of all the things that have been going on in the industry, it's, it's kind of in this weird place, you know? Uh, wait, so you're saying you can't remember the last time you were excited for a non-superhero movie? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Were you excited for Oppenheimer? I still haven't seen Oppenheimer. Oh, fair enough. Um, I mean, we went to Barbie and like, I, I didn't have, you know, I love Ryan Gosling. He's my favorite actor. Uh, I like Margot Robbie enough, but like, I wasn't like champing at the bit for Barbie. So, um, uh, I, don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can tell you, I'm very excited for the fall guy. You know, we got Gosling teaming up with, uh, David Leach, who I'm a, who I'm a fan of. Uh, so to do, to do an adaptation of a property, I have zero, zero, uh, familiarity. I mean, with, I was excited know? for Oppenheimer. I was excited for Avatar Way of the Water in the last year. <laughs> I was relatively excited for Evil Dead Rise. Like, there, there's there's movies coming Okay. Out. I'll tell you, Evil Dead. I was excited for Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. I also feel like, you know, a mind hole right now, though, too. Because it's been a tough year, to, to be honest. So try to remember everything. Uh, I'm sure we could find if we ran through all the movies that came out. I'd probably be proved wrong. There's probably one that came out a couple months ago that I was super stoked for. But, but yeah, I feel like it's been a minute, you know, even, even something like Thor Ragnarok where Thor is one of my dudes, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay. And that was last year. That was over a year ago at this point. <laughs> Ragnarok was yeah. like six years ago, Matt. You're thinking of Love and Thunder. Not Ragnarok, Love and Thunder. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Ragnarok I was super stoked on. Um, <laughs> and I still love it. It's, it's in my top five, uh, you know, uh, but yeah. Oh, well, top five Marvel movies, right? Not top yes, five of all not time. Top five movies. Jesus. No, no, no. It, it wasn't directed or produced by Spielberg, so it has no chance of getting into my top five. Weird. Just, yeah, absurd. Uh, yeah. Um, I would add Prey to this list, except it never came out in theaters, the bastards. Yeah, yeah Prey, was, Prey was fun. But yeah, I'm talking about the, the 
surely the theater going experience, you know, not nothing that's been streaming. Cause there's been a lot of stream movies that I got excited uh, when it came to down to watch, but I don't think there's yeah. many streaming movies I've been excited for. Uh, it's few and far between. I do get excited yeah. for one. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think there's, there's things to be excited for next year. You know, I, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to a few things, but the most the, honestly the best the actual experiences i tend to have tend to be the movies that i don't know about until maybe a month mm-hmm. or two before they come out it's not the big yeah. franchise sequels that you know about a year or two in advance it's the stuff that just springs out of nowhere you're like hey this movie looks cool um hell even something like teenage mutants of turtles mutant mayhem which was kind of surprisingly getting so yeah. much buzz i was like oh all of a sudden i'm excited for that now because apparently it's yes. maybe be good and, and it delivered it's i i thoroughly enjoyed that i watched that last week um on streaming and it was fantastic um so i wish i would have seen it in the theater then i could probably say mutant mayhem was the last one yeah. you know but yeah um hmm uh, I'm, I'm trying to delay comicsology, so but I, I got nothing else to add to this conversation. <laughs> All right, well, since you're so desperate for it, Matt, comicsology top ten is uh, starting of the show. Here we go. Even though we talked for 15 minutes about something else already, but yes, mm-hmm. uh, welcome everyone. We're going to get into the top ten books as ranked right now in comicsology for this week. We'll be looking at Tuesday and Wednesday separately because that's how they're split up and mm-hmm. uh tuesday's obviously dc day so we'll start with that matt what do you think number one was for tuesday as of right now i'm gonna guess batman it is batman mm. unfortunately <sighs> number two is shazam number three is birds of prey and i would say that i mean i, I think batman's not that good right now but i do think mm-hmm. at least the other two books that should be there up at the top three are both yeah. there this week so well and, i'm pleased well, with say that man if batman was called something else and it wasn't the main bat title. Do you think it would sell as much as it does? No. Yeah. No. So I, if this I, was like Shadows of, of the Bat, you know, uh, same creative team and everything, I don't think. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four is Superman 7 8. Uh, okay. Yeah, the new miniseries that that's got. Mm-hmm. Number five is Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Number six is Fire and Ice. Number seven is Blue Beetle. Number eight is Poison Ivy. Number nine is Icon versus Hardware issue five, and number yeah. ten, and we're at a single issues now. Uh, we have Commanded the Last Boy on Earth, and this is a huge forty dollar collection. So I'm assuming this is uh, yeah, twenty issues are in this bad boy. So this is one of those thick wow. collections. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, so that's cool. Oh, a Cyberpunk twenty seven books number eleven. That's interesting. Uh, but you've got other collections and stuff. Yeah, not a lot of single issues out this week. Uh, certainly not of the main books. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, some of, some of the the more side books sort of making up most of the top 10 and then all the collections. So not much to say for, for Tuesday this week. But let's have a look at uh, Wednesday. You got a guess for, for number one. Let's see if your system works. Yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm double checking to make sure there's no uh, like special type thing. I don't see one, which leads me to an X book. Now, there's three different X books I can pick from. Um, I'm going to go with Uncanny Spider-Man. Nope. Dang. All right. X-Men Red. That is correct. X-Men Red yeah. is number one. Number two is Marvel Gods, issue two. That's the Hickman event oh. or whatever oh, it is. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. I didn't even realize that was Marvel because the the cover. Yeah, it's got a different type of cover. It's yeah. got a different kind of cover, so I didn't even. Say, I thought that was some independent book. I think I made that mistake last month. I think Connor was on this episode last month, okay. and uh, I was like, "Oh, it's not a Marvel book." And I went, "Oh no, it's it's yeah, it's Hickman doing his Marvel thing." Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is X Force. Number four mm-hmm. is Uncanny Spider Man. Number mm-hmm. five is Amazing Spider Man. Uh, Uncanny, but Spider Man selling more than Amazing Spider Man. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, number six is Thanos, a new miniseries that started. Number seven is Punisher, also a new miniseries. Number seven is Star Wars The High Republic. Number... So that was number eight. Number nine is Star Wars The High Republic Shadow of Starlight. And then number ten is Star Wars Darth Vader. So three Star Wars picks all at the bottom of the top ten. Yeah, I'm not seeing on, on League of Comic Geeks. I'm only seeing... Oh, there they are. Okay. So they, they were kind of down. The last two, the High Republic ones, were, were kind of down. Mm. Uh, but Darth Vader was up high on League of Comic Geeks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of the covers have uh, a Marvel's banner at the top. They're advertising mm-hmm. the movie. Although Jonathan Hickman's too important for an advert on his cover, so he doesn't get one. Mm-mm. That's interesting. He, he overwrote it. Uh, I see a Star Trek comic with Worf on the cover at number 15. Nice. So that's fun. It's good. Uh, yeah, there's a Street Fighter comic. There's some more Star Trek. Yeah, interesting batch of things here. But uh, yeah, but honestly, it feels like there was a little bit less Marvel this week. I, I think they maybe mm-hmm. put out a lot in the fifth week, so their their week ones a little bit later as a as a result. So there you go. That's the uh, Comicsology top ten for the week. Everyone's favorite segment, especially Matt. Let's go on to the comics then. We got Batman 139 Legacy 904. Chip Zarsky mm-hmm. writing with Jorge Jimenez on the art. <sighs> Matt, <laughs> I'm not happy reading this book. You know that? This, Yeah, me neither. Um, So I feel like the monkey paw curse came in. Because remember the last couple issues we've been talking about Zdarsky? I'm like, man, I wish this was more like The Night. Maybe I'd enjoy it more if it was like The Night. And now he's incorporating elements from the night, and I don't want it to be like the night. It's, so it's, that monkey's paw. It's worse. It's absolutely yeah. like as soon as he started bringing up uh, Batman's mm-hmm. like uh, training days and traveling, yep. and he started referencing multiple characters from multiple of those issues, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, this just reeks of. Like, it, I, I don't want to sound too harsh, but it kind of yeah. feels like oh, I I I wrote all this, so I'm going to reference all of it repeatedly yep. now in my ongoing Batman yep. comic. I don't know. I I made the continuity. I can use the continuity. Yeah. Um. But like in in when I said more like the night, I was talking more in tone, not in in story and characters, you know. Um. But yeah. Uh. Question about the Joker. When did he learn that Bruce is Batman? <laughs> Joe, what's funny about that question, Matt? Joe, what's funny about that? Is... What, what's funny about that? <laughs> I was going to ask you the same thing. Because okay. <laughs> is this a thing that's happening in, in Man Who's Up Laughing? Is this... Because they reference that. They reference that. In a, I, do you know what? It may have been in that Joker book that Gordon was the main character of that I did okay. read some of. But I don't remember. I assumed I'd just forgotten something, but clearly mm-hmm. he knows who, who Batman is and he references it repeatedly. I like I love a good Joker story. I do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 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 really easy to be cool and say you don't like Joker stories and that you like mm-hmm. other Bat villains these days. But a great Joker story is still fantastic when it's done right. 
And because Zarsky's voice for Bruce has been off for me pretty much his entire run, but especially mm-hmm. since the multiverse arc really kicked in, mm-hmm. I was not looking forward to him doing Joker, especially since the lead into it last issue, that, that event was uh, mm-hmm. bringing back up the three Jokers thing, which he references again here. Bruce is like, hey, I'll go take down all three of these bastards. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're dealing with that when we could have just let that be out of continuity, but okay. Yeah. So I, I'm only going to keep reading this book, A, because it comes out on a, on a slower week, and B, there's a train wreck quality that yes. I want to know how messy this can get. I think it's a train wreck quality, but also Batman is obviously the biggest character at DC, so therefore the Batman book is the biggest ongoing book, so mm-hmm. we probably should talk about it. Yes, however, if something's going to be continually bumming me out i have other bat books i can read you know you know i know like, i know but like you say it's a quiet so, week that it's out yeah. on so it's easy enough to but just there is it. a genuine and usually i thought i got away from this to where it's like only read stuff that you're enjoying but on batman i've been reading batman for forever i probably have more batman comics than i have anything else just because i don't think i've ever had a break in collecting right so just out of out of keeping the street going there's that. But then I'm just like, where is this going? How is he going to incorporate the three Jokers? Why does Joker know that Bruce is Batman? How does Zernar factor in all this? There's so many plates spinning and they all look like they're going to crash. I need to know how many are going to crash. Yeah, I mean, as far as Joker knowing that Batman's Bruce, I'm just assuming that happened in a book and I either didn't read it or I've just forgotten about it. And that's fine, right? I'll accept that's something that's been established and I just don't know about it. That's okay. Uh, but the other stuff, though, which is how we're do- dealing with three, because it doesn't really come up again in this issue. Like the, uh, the build no. up to the Joker after the opening stuff, you know, Bruce has in his narration that he's coming mm-hmm. for all three Jokers. He's looking for the Joker, right? He's waiting for him to mm-hmm. strike. That's all fine, but it never comes up again that there's three Jokers. It's just a build to the Joker's appearance at that point. Yeah. And so how they're going to be doing anything with that, I don't know. Um, but the Zero NR stuff, of course, uh, is that the book, you know. It, Joker, there's a crime scene, Joker's killed someone and left kind of a, a David Fincher 7-esque crime scene for for Batman to find and yeah. there's dead bats all nailed to the floor and Batman figures out that this is uh, all correlating to a map because there's an N meaning north mm-hmm. and he's like, oh wait, this is all the locations I traveled to when I was training to become Batman and this is where all the batman the night references come in and he mentions the uh the various characters the prominent one that comes up a lot in this issue is the uh the cat burglar from uh, yeah, the french french, yeah. Yeah. french lady uh, joker even has her kidnapped at one point although it seems like she escaped but honestly yeah. it feels a bit fishy to me i'm not convinced that yeah she did escape but uh basically the murdered guy is the heir to this fortune he's got uh, this family that uh, made riches by selling dolls to children mm-hmm. right this was a a family fortune and batman goes to check out the the grandmother who's the one who actually made the fortune in her mansion and that's where a lot of the issue takes place where he's going through and joker's booby trapped the shit out of this place some of the dolls are spewing fire at him uh there's a big baby doll it's actually a joker henchman uh, dressed mm-hmm. up as a big doll. Uh, I did like that. That was a fun little sequence, but I feel like a lot of that's on Jimenez on the art. Sure. Oh yeah, because the art's obviously typically mm-hmm. really good because it's Jimenez. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any bad words to really say about the art. No, 
No, the art, all that's there. Um, and that, that especially, I went back and looked over that sequence because it is kind of surreal to see Batman fighting a gigantic baby and then he knocks the head off and there's a Joker under there um, and ends up being Joker's henchman. But it's, it's again, there's just, there's a quality to it that I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we see that Joker has the French woman kidnapped from Batman the Night. But she seemingly gets away from him, and it's not clear if this is a live feed or if it's something that was recorded earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joker's watching from the cracks in the, the floor or the ceiling above, and mm-hmm. uh, Batman figures it out, but he falls down to a display that the Joker set up. So the Joker, now knowing who Bruce Wayne is, that he's Batman, has set, has set up a, a series... <laughs> well, I'll call it the, the, the death hallway, where... Yeah. So there's like dolls replicating the death of the Waynes, which by the way, this this image of Bruce kneeling down with the the circular light around him and his dead parents on the ground, like oh, like it used to be such a great stark image from year one, right? <laughs> it's been and overused been so much. So overused, it means nothing. And that again, this is the type of stuff that bums me out. We're just beating a dead horse. You know, like the only the only nice thing I'll say about this is mm-hmm. one, Batman's not hallucinating it, yeah, and I guess two, there's no perils to be seen yet. Yeah, give it time. <laughs> yeah, give no... it time. But of course, Batman 900 was the one that had the no, no, that was one of the nightmare issues that had the giant mm-hmm. perils. But Batman yeah, 900, it was one of the nightmares. yeah, but Batman 900 definitely had a reference to it, which is not surprising, I guess, because because he was jumping through all the different timelines. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. But then, look, the next spotlight's got a, a dead Robin, then dead Alfred, uh, and then a dead Selina, which, actually, I had to go, I, so it got to this point, right, and Bruce mentioned in his narration that Selina's presumed dead, and I mm-hmm. stopped and went, what? What's he talking yeah, about? Fell, right? She fell in the hole. And I went back and checked that last event issue, oh yeah, she fell in the hole, and mm-hmm. the ending was just a tease <laughs> that she was maybe on the roof, but we don't know for sure. And I'm like, okay, all right. She's presumed dead, technically. I just don't believe it for a second, mm-hmm. so I guess this just caught me off yeah. guard that this is the status quo right now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he finds Joker sitting up on his throne <laughs> in this mansion. Look, I don't like the Joker, but this is a baller move. <laughs> Him sitting in the white suit, too, which I do love. Like, the purple suit's iconic, but the, the white suit Joker, that's kind of reminiscent of uh, Dark Knight Returns. I, I like seeing that here. And he says, I want to see the real you, Batman. And Batman feels himself getting woozy. He's like, what did you do? And he's like, no, this wasn't me. This was you. And this is Zunar taking over. And Zunar's like... I'm going to finally do what I should have done. I'm going to kill you. And Joker's laughing because he sees this as the real Batman finally coming out. Mm-hmm. And the final page is that Batman's trapped in his own head with an army of Zurenar Batmans. We've got Michael Keaton Zurenar. We've got mm-hmm. Adam West Zurenar. We've got animated series Zurenar. We've got Batman Beyond Zurenar. We've got 60s Zurenar. We've got old school comics. We've got Scarecrow Zurenar, I think that I don't know what one that is. Yeah, I don't know who that one is above the the animated series yeah. one, but it, it looks like Mignola version, like yeah, Gotham by Gaslight. Dark returns at the top. Dark Knight above him, yeah. yeah. Um, that's yeah. too many Zurenars. That's the only one that I can't name is that that top mm-hmm. right uh, one. But um, mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> I just I saw this page, and I just started laughing maniacally because. I, I, I'm not liking this story. I'm not liking... Like, 
the idea of like Bruce being in a battle his own head, the idea that his conscience and like the good side of him is fighting with this urge to just mm-hmm. be as violent as possible. Is it an interesting concept that I could see being done well? I hate how Zarsky is exploring it. I hate how he's writing it, and I hate how it's been represented. And that, that's the thing, too, is about Zernar killing Joker, doing what needs to be done. It's like, is it, though? Because we already had the failsafe story, right, about Bruce possibly taking a life, and that was Penguin and all of that. And now we're, he's almost bringing it full circle, which I kind of appreciate with the whole Zernar of this now. Um, almost like it was Zernar's plan to enact the failsafe for Bruce to defeat the failsafe. So now well, Zernar can take full well, control. Did he fight the failsafe? Last I remember, failsafe just disappeared. We don't know where failsafe is right now, do we? Uh, I thought he defeated it with the because he died, right? And it went back into. Wouldn't it did just? He not? Yeah, but wouldn't it just come back if he kills someone? Well, and this is where I think is it coming full circle. If if Zernar thinks that it beat the failsafe, because he this was the whole mechanization, the because Batman of it all, right? Joe, so, uh, so I tell you yeah. what, I don't want here, right? One, if Zernar kills someone, that still counts mm-hmm. as Batman killing, so I do not mm-hmm. like that at all, because yeah. that's still part of him. Because uh, this is not like he's been possessed by someone else. This is still something that's created within no. himself. But two. Yeah. Is this the weird, like, oh, he's killed the Joker, but don't worry, there's two more because we've established well, there's three of them. And the fact that he's wearing the white suit, which is when Joker killed himself in Dark Knight Returns. Spoilers, guys. I figure <laughs> if you've made it this far with us, you've read Dark Knight Returns. Um, <sighs> but I, I feel like that's what a call out to uh, that is. So who knows? I don't know, man. Uh, is the art- art's good. Jimenez, like the art style and all the Zernars. They're all different. They're all, you know... Uh, yeah, can I also that? just say, at the start of the book, he, he's got an alias where he's living in an apartment so the Bat family can't find him. He says that because his, uh, you know, his family have turned against him, like, his, his real name and having a place under his real name is a target right now, so he can't let them interfere with his mission. And I'm just like, I... I just... I. I I just don't think that the story we just had, the Gotham War, mm-hmm. was enough to justify this weird rift between Batman and the rest of the Bat family. Mm-hmm. It just all rings hollow with me, and I, I just... This run's shit. I'm just going to say it. I kind of hate it's, this run now. I'm still, it's going down as one of the worst ones I've been reading, and I've read a lot of rough Batman runs. I, like, I'm going to keep reading, because, like you say, the car crash quality, and mm-hmm. I, have to, I, ha- I have to know. Um... Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm being pretty good with not reading other books that I don't like, so I can stomach one yeah. a month. Yeah, well, and again, if if this came out on a week where I was slammed, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I'm reading Batman, but this is a very very quiet week, <sighs> and I already dropped Fire and Ice, you know. So yeah, also we had the doll punching Batman page, and that <sighs> makes this issue worth it enough for me. Yeah. Well, luckily my uh, Patreon book has some crazier stuff in it, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. Let's go. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> but uh yeah, I like I just conceptually I just dislike so much of what this is doing. Uh or you know, I, I shouldn't even say conceptually cuz I think the raw concepts of some of it I could see being done well. It's just the execution, the voice for the character, it's all just not clicking for me. I'll just briefly mention the backup cuz honestly there's not much to say. 
It's just Vandal Savage waking up after the whole meteor thing, uh-huh. and he's immortal again, and he's still living in Wayne Manor. He beats up some thugs, mm-hmm. and he puts on an ice suit. That's it. That's that's the whole thing. No, the 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 hook that you're missing is what, what, what because of the amount of meteors that are now situated around Gotham. He can't leave Gotham City limits. Oh, so okay, he's, sure. Okay. He's like stuck in his own prison, so now he's going to take over the city because that's his domain. And that's where he puts it back on. And I don't hate it. Uh, the idea of turning him essentially into kingpin of Gotham City. Yeah, it's like, okay. Well, to be but... fair, though, it's not that he can't leave. It's just that he doesn't want to leave all these other meteor bits for other people to find, right? Well, no, no. It's it, When he gets along the city limits, he starts to feel weak as he feels the uh, the life force oh, okay. draining okay. from him. Yeah. I might have rushed this back up. I'm not going to no, lie. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it says, you know, he's a conqueror. His strength, my mind, it all, all, all fell away. It made me deduce what's wrong. It seems the further I move away from Gotham, the weaker I become. Okay. So it, it is a nice hook. I like that idea for Vandal Savage because just having to be an immortal caveman that was, you know, a conqueror and all this, you know, in 2023, what can we do? So the fact that he's stuck in Gotham and now he's going to be a thorn in, you know, the Bat family side, I don't hate. But... Um, him being in Wayne Manor and stuff, I don't. I'm still not a fan of that. That's just, I don't know. It feels like a hat on a hat. But I, we'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm finding it tough to give a shit right now, Matt. With this book, I'm I, really finding. I, it I tough. don't. I don't blame you. And I like Vandal Savage as a character. I just, you know, I, I don't like what they did with him in this one. Him, him trying to rain a meteor down upon Gotham to make everybody immortal. That, that was a weird <laughs> flex, man. Like. You know. Yeah. All right. What are you giving Batman one three nine? Oof. This is this is ugh. the art does a lot of the carrying though. So where where do I put it? Do I? I'll give it a five point five. Yeah, I'll give it a five. They are definitely, obviously, it at least makes it pretty to look at. Like that's always nice. Mm-hmm. It's always sure. nice. Uh. All right. Birds of Prey issue three, legacy number two hundred one by my count. Uh, we have Kelly Thompson writing with Leonardo Romero on the R. So, yeah, we were just getting to Themyscira last issue, or at least getting to mm-hmm. the plan that was going to take them onto the island. We actually yep. get more of that here, although not before the tease uh, of the whatever this thing is. It's going to possess Sin, right? This demon mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, we actually get that possessing another random Amazon. And mm-hmm. basically seeing the sort of the almost exorcist looking like face on this woman saying, This vessel is unworthy. So it's it's setting up this idea that this entity is going around Themyscira looking mm-hmm. for the right host. So you know, I, I really like this actually. It was a very I love that panel at the bottom of the first page of just being like you know, something it's scary is coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's ominous, yeah. that's a good word. Yeah. Um but yeah, let, let me just Leonard Leonardo Romero on the art. It's giving me Kirby vibes. So in this book with Barda and the Amazons and all this other stuff, the kind of squarey, like I don't want to say the characters are boxy, but there's a, a a a boxiness to them that's reminiscent of Jack Kirby's art to me. Uh, really made this a pleasure to read. Just the breakdowns, the way that the characters interact. It gave it this kind of old school DC vibe uh, to, you know, a lot of these new characters, right? Zealots here, 
all these characters that aren't, you know, outside of Barda aren't Jack Kirby. Um, so just when we turn that page and it's got all the, the purples and the pinks and all of that type of stuff, it just, yeah. everything looks great. It's also reminded me a little bit of the original Birds of Prey run that Dixon did, mm-hmm. which honestly, the, reading this these issues has been making me want to go back and keep reading that because mm-hmm. we, me and Connor had been doing previously in the multiverse for Patreon yeah. for like a year or whatever it was. And it was right around the time that he had to get a new job because of the pandemic and everything. Yeah. And that's where he didn't have as much time to record stuff. And that's why he misses a lot of episodes. And we had to stop doing that show. We got to like issue nine of that book. And it's making me want to go back and continue where we left off. Um, in some form. How far did you make it? Do you remember? Issue nine. So, but that, but to uh-huh. be to, to be clear though, uh, there's like a whole trade's worth of content before issue one. So, okay, it's, it's actually a bit more than it sounds because there's like a there's like a four issue mini, okay. two or three big one shots, and then issue one. Okay. So, it's a little bit more than what it sounds like. But yeah, gotcha. yeah, that that's a blind spot. Like I'm I'm aware of it with the whole Babs and and Canary and Huntress of it all oh hundreds it's not even like it's just just babs and dina for that early stuff uh i'm not sure when huntress does come on full time but it's not in that first uh at least you know a couple of years that should be a thing i should look into see if my shop has the collections so it's something i should knock off uh sadly i think the big thick trades that we're doing they stopped after Uh volume three because i don't think they were selling oh man uh but they're all available i mean you can get all digitally if you want digital yeah Yeah. it's all there well you know i always try to get if i can get something like that i try to go physical first just because it's nice to have Uh, but if i have to go digital you know so be it yeah anywho uh so yeah uh, harley's got this crazy plan for the multi hide inside a megalodon (laughs) to get onto the island because all of the teleportation techniques they can't use because the boom tube's too loud, mm-hmm. uh, and then Meridian's thing uh, they can't use either. So it, it, it's too wonky, right? She needs it's too wonky. She uh, she explains here that she can teleport if she can. It's kind of like Nightcrawler, right? Where Nightcrawler can teleport to where as far as he can see. Um, that's kind of what Meridian can do, but it's a little bit wonkier because it's it's dealing with dematerialization and all yeah. that stuff. And also, I'm not sure if she can take much of a passenger list with yeah. her like, it sounds like it might just be like uh maybe she can grab one person but right. that's maybe a bit uh but yeah so there's, there's some more banter here which is really enjoyable mm-hmm. uh there's a funny moment where uh harley's got about to call barda a big bitch uh, <laughs> in a ew. sort of endearing way yeah and barda kind of says watch it and she's a bisexual icon uh referring yeah. to herself i thought that was I- that was funny yeah, Thompson's really good at the banter stuff. That's what I enjoyed over in Marvel. Reading like the was it West Coast Avengers? Yeah, with Kate and all that. The it's very similar in that banter. That's fun to read. Yeah, and hell, it, you know, they're all saying, but King Shark's a villain. Like he might, well, if he does something, and he's like, hey, I know what sort of trouble will come down on me if I get any use killed. Everyone's favorite mm-hmm. Batman's here. I love that he referred to Cass as everyone's favorite Batman. That I got a little pop out of that where's, where, where's the lie though yeah uh so yeah this is how they get onto the island and they split up uh canary thanks harley for a crazy plan but it worked mm-hmm. uh so they split up uh, although not before zealot does something really weird where she like cuts her hand open and puts in a, a worm or... some kind of worm thing yeah so it looks like she's doing like a bushido ritual right like you've seen this in samurai movies almost like a, a prayer before the battle uh but when 
it really gets into the intricacy. I always mess up that word. I don't know why I try to say it. But when it gets into the details of it, yeah, she's cutting like her hand or putting the worm in there, right? And then rubbing it on sand. Um, and they ask her what she's doing. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I told you guys I wasn't going to kill any Amazons. And this is going to ensure that I don't, I can't die while we're here and I can't kill anybody. And in order to show how she can't kill anybody, what does she do, Pete? She stabs Harley through the stomach with her big sword. And yep. obviously it's a shocking moment at first, but then mm-hmm. she pulls out the blade and there's no blood. And it's like, yep. oh, it just magically went through you like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, okay. It still hurt though. <laughs> like, uh, so that was a cool moment too. And it also, you know, it is it is putting in like kind of hurdles storytelling wise on how they're going to get through this without bloodshed. Right. Cause they're, they're not here to go to war with the Amazons, right. They're here to save sin. Yeah. So they're, they're, I, I did like this uh, mechanism. They're trying to be stealthy as best they can. Uh, Harley mm-hmm. and Dinah go, cause they don't know where sin's being kept. So they all kind of split up into pairs to go look. Um, and Harley and sin sort of stealthy take down a couple Amazons. Uh, there's a great moment. Uh, Barder and Cass are going through kind of the, the jungly area, of the island, mm-hmm. and they've, they've Barder fights one. But there's a great moment after this where they're just walking through the jungle, and uh, Barda or as Cass like holds up her hand, like, "Oh, there's something here. Yep. Like, I can sense something." And sure enough, we get this kind of forest spirit <laughs> that kind of is flying around and is made of veins. Yeah, it's got like a mask, but it's also the same word bubbles as whatever possessed the Amazon in the beginning. Um, it's the same font in the black word bubbles. So I'm wondering if it's, if it's one of these kind of neat, I wouldn't even call this a nature spirit. Whatever one of these spirits are, is this the one mm. that's going around possessing? Cause it takes Barda's, uh, her, what's it called? The, the rod or boomstick. Yeah. It, it takes it from her and then leaves them on their way. So that's a weird it's a yeah. weird thing. And then similar, there's another part of the forest area, you've got um, Meridian with Zealot, and Zealot does like a sort of like, be quiet, we're being watched. Almost like, uh, you know, in Jurassic it's, Park. It's Muldoon. We're being hunted. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's watching us. And sure enough, there's a, there's an Amazon in the in the trees who jumps out. So they all get their own little fight sequences. Uh, mm-hmm. Zealot, you know, d- does quite well. And she's like, and Meridian says, hey, you know, you don't even need you don't even need that thing that stops you from being killed. You did just fine mm-hmm. there. And she points out that it's it's amazing how different your decisions are when you know you can't die. And that's mm-hmm. a kind of an interesting uh, little thing to think about. But yeah. uh, Canary and Harley find Sin, who's just sort of chilling in a bedroom. It's, just, it's, not, it's, yeah. it's not like she's a prisoner. She's just kind of chilling. Um, it, but Canary's like, no, we have to go. She's happy to see her. It's a nice big uh, hug. But then mm-hmm. the alarm starts going off. And... This is where one of the reasons why they were being so stealthy is they didn't want to have a confrontation with Wonder Woman. Uh-huh. So Canary immediately calls Oliver and says, "Hey, you have to stall Diana. <laughs> stall her, so, please." <laughs> and this is why I love Ollie. Yes, Ollie is one hundred percent ride or die. Going like Diana's my friend, but in order to help my girlfriend. I will fire fire arrows at probably the most lethal member of the Justice League and hope for the best. Like, Ollie's my kind of dude. Yes. Uh, that's all I got. And apparently Constantine got him a, a batch of magic arrows, which are supposed to knock down Wonder Woman, right? 
And he hits her with it, right? And he even points mm-hmm. out it was a miracle that even hit one shot off at her. Mm-hmm. And she's fine, though. She starts, like, hunting Oliver, and Oliver's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so he's, like, trying to, like, swing across the city. Uh, Wonder Woman uses her tiara to cut his rope, and he crash lands on a car, and she's like, Oliver, why are you doing this? And he fires all the magic arrows he has, and they're mm-hmm. all just, like, doing nothing. They're doing silly things. Until he eventually hits her with one. He just sort of stabs her in the shoe with one. And it sort of turns her into a bunch of pink butterflies and she flies away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, did that delay her? Or did that actually help her get to Themyscira quicker? Because mm-hmm. it it, at this point, Diana kind of realizes that this is all a distraction. She's just Because she knows there's an alert at Themyscira mm-hmm. um, and Oliver's just trying to distract her. Uh, so the big cliffhanger of the issue is that Diana comes smashing in the wall in Themyscira uh, there's bricks flying everywhere, and she's like, "Birds, we need to have some words." And that's your your big mm-hmm. cliffhanger. I think what I noticed here is that Diana's hair in this last page looked very eighties to me. Uh huh. It looks like uh, George Perez. It does. It looks old school Wonder Woman to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I like that. Um, I also love uh, Diana's uh, stuff here. Her her captions, where it says, "Everyone is obviously afraid of Batman. They should be. Despite everything, everyone is also afraid of Superman." as they should be. Everyone loves Diana, and they should. They should also be very, very afraid. And that's where it ends. I just love that whole vibe. Like, again, it's ominous, you know. We, we all know that they're probably going to talk it through, but Diana's pissed. And and these these words, there's going to be a small fight, right? Like, yeah, I, I do like that the person they're scared of is another woman. I like that mm-hmm. the... The person they're trying to save from Themyscira is a woman, and even the demon or whatever it is that's tried to possess sin feels mm-hmm. like it may also be female. Not that it mm-hmm. always has to be women that are the villains and whatnot mm-hmm. in Birds of Prey, but I do think it's a really cool, strong statement to start out with a story where the yeah. only male character really we've had... Uh, well, weather guest stint from Constantine, I suppose, but it's really just Oliver well, who's been kind of... Like Oliver, King Shark, right? He popped in there. Oh, King Shark popped in, true. You know. but, well, but, well, yeah. What I'm trying to say is, is the prominent players mm-hmm. are all women, and I think that's an Wait. intentional choice with this first arc. I'm, su- I'm sure, you know, an arc or two down the line will have some evil asshole dude who's the villain, because yeah. it's very easy to make a villain out of an asshole, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that's, that's kind of nice here. Yeah. It's like part part of why they've made Wonder Woman so intimidating here is because the reverence the others have for her because they know right. shit. Even Barda, when Barda's talking about early on and someone says, hey, couldn't you take Wonder Woman in a fight? And she's like, maybe, but if she's in a particularly bad mood, probably not. It's like when right. the, mood, the mood she'll probably be in when the alarm goes off saying <laughs> yeah. that we've all invaded Themyscira. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Let's it, try and, and avoid Barda- that. <laughs> Barter was one of the better female Furies of Apocalypse, right? Like, you know, when she defected because of Scott, you know, that was a big loss for for Apocalypse. Um, So for her saying that about Diana, too, it's also building her up as this, you know, uh, almost like almost like a force of nature. Uh, And we don't get that a lot with Wonder Woman. So. Uh, and also, just not to bring it back to Ollie, but the part that really made me laugh is he's doing the zipline thing, and just his dialogue is, if it's working, I'll be fine. If it's working, I'll be fine. If it's working, I'll be fine. And then you see the tiara cut it. It's not working as he's plummeting. <laughs> I just, just the pacing there, that that's on the letterer and the art and the yeah. story all really coming together. So, 
Yeah, that's quite Maybe. funny. He's the joke mm-hmm. of the scene, and I think, as far as layouts goes, that may be the best start of the the issue. Mm-hmm. Is that whole sequence of Diana looking yep. up, him trying to like go away in the zip line, yep. and then like just the, the the way the panels play out and like the close up of the eyes, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it all works really well. It's, it's paced yeah. very well, I guess I'm trying yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, very very good book. Leonardo Romero's art too. I just I I am feeling those Kate Bishop stories that I fell in love with during the pandemic, going through and reading all of the Kate Bishop that I could. Um, and so seeing seeing Romero draw all of these characters from DC that I do like is also nice. So yeah. I'm glad, glad we have this team working on this book. Yeah, give Kelly a sign of the ongoing DC. Go on, do it. Mm-hmm. Do it, you cowards. Anyway. Yeah. You, that's why I want to tell them you won't. You know, <laughs> challenge them until the gauntlet down. All right, what are you giving Birds of Prey issue three? I'm going to give this a nine. I really enjoyed it. Ooh. I don't know if I'll go. I don't know if I'll go quite that. High. I'll say eight point five. I think it's a really great mm-hmm. issue. I enjoyed the the splitting up out of the pairs, the banter. I think they did a good job teasing the the scariness of the of the villain. You know, whoever's really? trying to possess sin. That was quite a cool foreboding intro. And uh, yeah, good art and yeah, great cliffhanger ending. Really propping up mm-hmm. Wonder Woman as the as the main woman, I guess. Like the the main big yeah. bitch of the of the DC universe to. Mm-hmm. To say what Harley what, almost said. I said, "What was the? It's kind of the same vibe that they had for Emily Blunt in, um, God, was that movie? Not Live Die Repeat. What yeah, was Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, I just remember the tagline. It was kind of the same kind of vibes. Where yeah, there's all these hushed whispers, and then we finally see her. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it propped her up really nice. It was good stuff. So. Uh, all right, Shazam issue five, Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art, uh, and this was uh, the conclusion to this this little mini arc we've had of the mm-hmm. of the moon and Gargo the Emperor, uh, Ted the Gorilla. We'll talk about Ted. Yeah, God damn oh, Ted. Ted. What a loser. <laughs> uh, I think what was interesting about this is that throughout this book so far the first four issues it kind of just neatly avoided talking about mary that much so mm-hmm. i was kind of waiting like okay when's it going to be addressed though that mary still has powers because she's got powers from the amazon gods mm-hmm. and sure enough this is the issue where she comes swooshing in to save because the cliffhanger from last issue was billy uh with no powers floating through well, space mm-hmm. and and dying but you know the yeah. red whoosh comes in it's mary she saves him and I love, well, first of all, the, the page where you see her properly, the art's gorgeous from Mora, but mm, then mm-hmm. the next page, she's like, hey, Billy, come on, like, you know, Shazam up here, but I need, I need you to, like, get back to normal, you're kind of struggling here. And the gods, like, I think it's Mercury, because he's his turn to take control of Billy's mm-hmm. next, he's like, hey, Zeus, wake this little child up, don't let him die, it's my turn, damn it. And he's like, the rules are, the, the word has to be spoken. And then it cuts to Mary, and Mary says, okay, goddesses i'm not saying this for me i'm saying it for him and she mm-hmm. says shazam and then darts out the way and it just cuts to zeus and he's like all right that'll do close enough <laughs> close enough yeah and he's, the, he's <laughs> i thought that was hilarious yeah the the page of four he where he's got it cocked ready to go and being like yeah the rules is the rules and then when when he does throw it and it's like yeah close enough Oh, yeah, um, I just I love the idea that technically it doesn't it shouldn't really count because Billy's not mm-hmm. the one saying it. Mm-hmm. But the idea that it just cuts to Zeus going like, ah, close enough, zap. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Well, and, I, I, just thought and I know funny. you're not big on mythology. This is more of a conversation with Connor. That's kind of Zeus in the mythologies too, you know. 
Oh, him good. being like, I, I know what the rules are, but I'm Zeus. I do what I want. Uh, so that kind of goes in with there, too. Uh, yeah. And then Mercury just looking like a proper scumbag down at the bottom. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, looking more like Loki than anything. So Yeah, so uh, obviously there's some action here. Uh, the Queen Bee wants her... Uh, was the was the device? Was the big MacGuffin the generator? It's, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, like a, a a warp drive. A warp drive. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. some sort of thing like that. And uh, Emperor Gargo is like, "Oh, you're using me, dear. I'm not going to give that over." And she's like, "No, please. I'm like, okay, I'll make you proper size again." And he's like, "No, you go off to the dungeons with you." But Billy's acting like a shit because Mercury's controlling him. So he's been really mm-hmm. juvenile. He's pantsing gorillas. He's he's doing all sorts of things. <laughs> right i love it and then he, he says to emperor gargo that hey i use my x-ray vision i know where your your warp drive is and i actually paused and went i didn't think shazam had x-ray vision and then sure enough a page later he's like oh no i tricked you i don't have any x-ray vision i just said that so you think i knew where it was it turns out he was hiding it in his body he opens his jaw ultra wide and vomits it up it is disgusting and mary and billy react appropriately the arts there is really good but both in the visual of this head kind of like the the jaw almost going completely flat that's how open it is and then people watching have you ever seen anaconda (laughs) remember the end of anaconda when it throws up john voight that's what this is kind of i guess but you see like all the green skin kind of wrinkling up as it kind of yeah yeah it's it's really good stuff and billy and mary don't want to touch it which actually leads to one of my favorite laughs that i had this issue and i was laughing a lot in this issue it's uh so billy and mary are fighting whoever right emperor uh queen bee shows up and starts getting involved again Mm -hmm. and the gorillas are just running around and basically saying ah oh, this is let's get back to earth before this tears us all apart and it's like ah oh, does anyone know where the, the the warp drive is and ted the gorilla is just looking at it it just finds it lying on the ground because it was left there mm-hmm. from the, the previous couple pages and he says mother of grod fellas we're back in business and i love like yep. i can't believe how much mark wade has made me a mark no pun intended mm-hmm for mm-hmm. this gorilla named Ted and every other gorilla treating him like shit because yep. I was cackling every single time someone yelled the name Ted in this. Yep. Well, because Ted, Ted seems like a mess up. And <laughs> the fact that he made it this far, uh, right, and then it just falls right back into his lap. And then we get the image of the gorillas carrying this thing, right, on the surface of the moon is another, another yeah, one that, that got me good. It's a couple pages later, and Ted uh-huh. is the one who trips, obviously. Just, yeah. It eats, yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the other kids are at the Rock of Eternity with the, the, the dinosaur with the top hat. Uh, mm-hmm. No, no... no uh... The legalese Tyrannosaurus. Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And the monocle. Don't forget the monocle. Yep, don't forget the monocle. Uh, and they're basically, okay, how can we help Billy, even though we don't have powers? And they're talking about missing having powers, mm-hmm. uh, but they're, they're trying to figure things out. But they notice that Freddy disappeared appears and that's a little setup for the ending yeah. uh so mary actually figures this all out right so the, the other kids know what's happening with the gods because freddie found out right yep but mary when she's witnessing billy be a complete little shithead uh mm-hmm. to emperor gargo and like you know covering him and and uh what was he doing yeah he's, he's basically saying what should i do like a super wedgie or mm-hmm. what and mary's like wait a minute you acted 
like reckless, you know, like uh, like Hercules. You act, acted arrogant, arrogant. yeah, like, like Solomon. Solomon. And mm-hmm. she sort of puts it all together. I don't know if I have laughed as much at a comic than I did the bottom of this page in quite some time. Which is, she puts this all together and says, "That's it. The gods, they're they're controlling you." And then you just get this panel at the bottom of the page with all the gods, just with their eyes all wide open. And I think it's uh, Zeus just says, Zeus. rats. And I was like, this, this look in their face that they all went, oh shit, she's, she's clocked it. The, she knows. Just the point that they thought they were going to get away with everything, right? Because Billy isn't the most, he's not the most observant, right? So of course he's not going to notice, you know, different controllers, whatever. So the fact that they didn't think anyone else was going to notice. That's what all of those faces are. And even uh, Achilles, who you can't see his face, he looks very much like Ares, mm. right? Even his eyes are wide underneath that helm. You know, uh, it's it's a very good image. It's very good stuff. It's the art nailing it. The, the writing here is just pitch perfect funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Mark Wade firing on all goddamn cylinders. I yeah. love this issue. And I think what what... what makes sense about this to me as well is that mary does have her own wisdom from her other gods that she's getting her yep. powers from she's not sharing the same pool of gods anymore with billy so it makes some sense that another character like that who's rich who's part of her power set is this extra wisdom um i, I don't know if they've mapped out what gods are giving her what powers from uh the amazons but i don't either but i'm gonna look it up while we're talking <laughs> of course so, you are of course you are because because they mention one of them and it's the z Right, that's like Zephyrus. Mm. So, um, is, is, I'm it sure li- is it literally going to spell it Shazam again? I assume it is because she still says that. She still says Shazam. So you would yeah. think because because Black Adams do, and they're all Egyptian gods that they adapted. So true, true. I just. I, I love this idea that uh, now that Mary's finally in this main Shazam book, and we're going to like really prop her up as this other hero with powers that mm-hmm. has the full set. Uh, especially since she is the one who can uh, do it. Anyway, so the gorillas are carrying the the warp drive and Ted's trips, they drop the warp drive and it spins up into power and then the moon starts to spin uncontrollably and you just see another gorilla yell, Ted! (laughs) And that made me laugh so much. Oh, he almost ruined, I, like, he almost destroyed the moon, which would probably do hell knows what to Earth's, like, tidal waves and everything yeah. else. But uh, basically, Billy has to try and stop the moon from spinning, so he just kind of, like, grabs onto it, uses his powers, and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, simple enough. Whilst Mary deals with all of the the gorillas and the, the debris and all that flying off of it. Uh, all interesting stuff. But, again, really good, big, cosmic, super fun and uh yeah so reading this and the ted stuff i just immediately you know ted is the connor of the apes because <laughs> how they're yelling at him is how you yell at him so you know um uh, interesting. yeah that, uh, that was very funny so the final scene is the gods basically saying okay what do we do now that he's figured things out uh we also let him share the powers with his family for some time uh what do we do and then Billy shows up, and he's in kid form, right? He's no longer in Shazam form. And mm-hmm. basically says, like, enough of this shit. If you're going to control me, then I don't want the powers. Take them away. You'll have no champion on Earth. And they're like, hey, we won't let you share your powers with anyone anymore, right? We'll, we'll, we'll make, make it so you can never do that again. And Billy's 
and because they're basically trying to guilt him by saying, "Hey, if you give up the powers, then they'll never have powers again, and you'll be depriving mm-hmm. them of that." And then the cliffhanger is that uh, what's his face, uh, Freddy? Freddy comes in and says, "If he doesn't want the powers, then I do," and it's like a betrayal uh, face on Billy at the end. So we might be seeing Billy uh, Shazam, uh, or sorry, Freddy Shazam next issue. Freddy? Which, I guess he would be the Captain Junior. So we could call him CJ uh, instead of Captain Marvel Junior. Something tells me he's not going to <clears throat> want to go by that name, but maybe Mark Wade will make it work somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, it's interesting. Uh, it, is, it is kind of funny how we're doing, like, Billy and then into Mary and then Freddy. So, we'll, yeah, it'll be the original three that had powers once upon a time that will have had powers in this run. And then eventually we'll probably get to the whole family having powers again. But... I do think that's kind of interesting uh, that, they, that he's sort of worked it around that way. Well, and also Freddy was the one that was, you know, uh, duped into being a spy for the gods, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it might be a little bit personal. I don't know. Maybe he's got something up his sleeve. You know, Freddy's pretty, a pretty loyal friend and brother to Billy. So uh, we'll I don't that... know. It looks like he's betraying him here. He's taking all the maybe, power maybe. for himself. Maybe. So I found what Mary's uh, new... Uh, Shazam is oh go on and it, and it is the agility of Selena the strength of Hippolyta the stamina of Artemis the flight of Zephyrus the invulnerability of Aurora and the wisdom of Minerva so they're all very similar um, you know stamina strength agility uh, let's see um, one of them's might I think so yeah but wisdom's there so they're you know they're all the same. So good, good on the creatives for still making Shazam work with, with those yeah, interesting. goddesses. So, uh, but yeah, man, Dan Moore's art here too. Just the face of Billy here at the end. Um, not not the last panel, the little, but as he's looking over at Freddy when Freddy says, "I'll take the powers." Yeah. Um, a very 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 good Dan Moore art there. Yeah, no, the art throughout is fantastic. And again, he's getting to do all this crazy stuff. He's got moon spinning. He's got Mary and uh, Billy using their powers. He's got the gorillas. Mm-hmm. He's got Queen Bee Gargoyle. We've got a T-Rex with a monocle and a top hat. Yeah. Like, he's got such a variety of crazy things to draw, and he makes it all work. And so does Wade. Wade, like, bounces between these crazy ideas, legitimately funny stuff, and also big superheroics. Like, that's, mm-hmm. stopping the moon spinning was a big Superman-style moment, and it felt just yeah. as big as that, as it should have done, without they've been taken away from the fact that we've got all these funnier stuff surrounding it the fact that it happens because that screw up ted decided to trip and drop the the warp drive yeah. it's just you know it all works i was laughing constantly i think this For one sure. was good immediately but it's really clicking now a few issues in yeah. where it's like okay like i'm getting the, the flow of this i'm getting the vibe of it like i enjoy mm-hmm. world's finest a lot but i think this is the this is the mark wade book at dc right yeah. now yeah, it kind of balances that silliness with the superhero action uh, very, very well. So, and I'm, I'm glad to have Mark Wade back. You say that every time we talk about a Mark Wade book, Matt. I know. I know. It's still true. It's been two years. <laughs> Has it really been two years? It's probably close to it by now. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so happy. I mean, World's Finest is up to like... It's in the mid-teens at least by now. That That's true. So it's been wow. a year and a half at least, yeah. Oh. So. But yeah, it, it, it's because like even stuff when when Gargo is like, oh, I miss dealing with the Doom Patrol, you know? <laughs> stuff, stuff yeah, like that. I, I got a chuckle out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, 
All right. Okay. Uh, well, there you go. What are you rating Shazam issue five? Uh, eight point five. Uh, yeah, I think I go with a nine on this one. I really mm-hmm. like this there one. You go. Uh, so that's that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up. Poison Ivy issue 16, G. Mm-hmm. Willow Wilson reign with Marcio Takara on the art. Uh, this is yeah. Matt flying solo. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, Ivy's back. So the last issue, um, she she got out of Undyne's uh, little lair and realized, like, there are different aspects of the green. So here, uh, it really focuses on nightmares, but not in, like, the night terrors, is that Pam keeps having these, these nightmares of people that she encountered on her mission to spread the Lamia spores. Um, and uh, because she's having these dreams, she's just like, well, I didn't know them, but they all have lives. And she's almost starting to feel guilt over this. Um, and so it really focuses on this guy that Pam's going to call Chuck because she doesn't know his actual name. And for her, it was just a, you know, a chance encounter at a gas station you know, somewhere in Northern California or Idaho, wherever, uh, on her way up to Seattle. But to him, it completely altered and changed his life. And he ends up infected with the the spore. And because of the culture that exists in the United States about, you know, you got to go to work, you got to be a hard worker, even though he's dealing with this problem, which is a fungal infection, he's trying to push through and, and go to work. And you know, he's he's itching and he's coughing and his wife's really concerned about him. But he's like, no, I have a job to do. And he ends up working at like what I would guess is like an Amazon distribution place. And so she's talking about how it was very unintended that the Lamia spores, which she could control, right, um, that they got back out into the wild and that it was probably through this dis- distribution it caught out because she didn't mean for them to be as contagious as they were, but turns out, you know, um, as she says, all the, all the best, uh, all the, all, know, what's the old saying? The, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Is she couldn't, you know, she had all the best intention for all of this, but it went the wrong way. And it ends up that this Chuck guy ends up dying on his way to work and they can't find him. And uh, his wife's friends are trying to console her. And they're like, well, if they haven't found him, he still might be out there. But if it's so many days, you know, which leads to the wife and kids to be super sad. Um, Ivy realizes that this isn't really a dream. She's having a shared green like experience like she had done um with the influencer lady, right? Like they're all tapped into the green and they're all going to the same place. Uh, and so this shot guy finds her in her dreams and she's all in the full monstrous Ivy to cause art is really spot on here. Cause when he starts to like in the dream, he looks like this kind of zombie uh, mushroom type of dude. But in the real world where we see him as he's, you know, uh, uh, decom- not decomposing, but he- he's getting significantly worse, right, as he's getting sicker. He looks more like a traditional zombie, so there's a, a slight thing there. Um, but Takara's art's really on point. Um, <clears throat> that he sees Ivy in this realm, but it's all, like, psychedelic, 
versus where Ivy sees them in the dream. Everything's very idyllic. It looks like this beautiful forest clearing with like a, a river and a, and a pond with a waterfall. Um, and Ivy becomes aware that this is like a shared experience that she's having with all of these consciousness of the people that she inadvertently infected with the Lamia spore. And she looks over and she sees Undine, who's got like the flower face. And he's like, you know, for someone that's been in touch with the green, you're really not figuring this out is you don't control the green. The green controls you. You know, I figured this out in, you know, I haven't been at this for long. The longer you fight it, the worse it's going to go. And she, you know, she's going, you know, you don't understand it like I do. You can't. He's like, well, unintended consequences being what they are, you've opened a whole box because your Lamiosaurs that you could control, they've gotten out and they're wild and they've kind of become their own strain and they're not quite in your control anymore. Ivy's questions if this really is undine or if it's her own consciousness putting this all together uh and as uh you know she's kind of waking up from the stream uh, you see all of these like zombies like lamia zombies starting to, to surround gotham coming to her uh and that's where it ends it ends with a very creepy you know they're they're coming out of the forest heading into gotham uh, there's also a bit about how she is like fearful of Batman, uh, but he's almost like this because um, in the last issue they played him up as this big scary threat um, because she's kind of in between. Like she's not a full out villain, but she's also you know not working with Batman, so they played him up as kind of monstrous. So here um, in those parts where they talk about Gotham, he's kind of around in the shadowy kind of way, and it's handled really well. But but yeah, um, the, this issue is a, definitely an, an improvement from the Undine stuff where she was stuck in that and uh, she was stuck in the kind of the skyscraper. Uh, this getting back to the whole green aspect of it all, I, I really like. And just the idea that she, you know, she's a vessel for the green, not the other way around. The, you know, she, the, it's going to use her and, and she's not going to use it. I, I, I really, really like um, and again, Takara's art, so on, the colors are all really working in uh, unison. So, um, yeah, really good issue. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, we got Blue Beetle, issue 3, Josh <laughs> Trujillo and Adrian Gutierrez on the book. Uh, and this was also Matt, so must do. Yeah, so I got caught up on this one. I, I read half of the first issue. I uh, had to get caught up on, on one and two before I read three. Uh, and essentially the, what's going on is that that um, in, in issue one, we find out that Jaime's friend Brenda is working for Victoria Cord, uh, but she doesn't want him to know that. So everything's kind of done in secret. Um, the um, Not the Reach, but the, the new ones that came, the, um, they're not the Sovereign. But anyways, the, the refugees are, are set up in uh, Palmyra City. There's a lot of tension in between them. Um, and uh, they're using uh, Natita and Dynasties kind of as a security system to try to uh, do this. Uh, in the second issue, there's a new character that comes up that's named the Blood Scarab. And he essentially looks like um, the Blue Beetle, but he's all entirely in red. And... Turns out he uses magic, 
which is a new uh, a new thing even for uh, Jaime's uh, Scarab. It's like this is this is older than me, and it feels fear. So this is something that goes back from beyond. Uh, even when uh, Dan Garrett had found the 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 Scarab and its time in Egypt. Uh, so this issue, so that issue ended with Ted Cord uh, going down. Victoria's not happy. Uh, Blood Scarab escapes because uh, because Jaime can't fight it. It's too powerful. So uh, Jaime reaches out to his Ryan, ex. Remind me, Matt. Uh, Sorry. Victoria Cord. Uh, yes. Was the relation to Ted? That's Ted's sister. Sister, okay. Right, Ted's sister. So that was she was introduced in the graduation day mini, oh, okay, okay. where she is taking over Cord Industries, um, kind of like the CFO. So she deals with the day to day, whereas Ted's more of the you know research and development side of things. Okay. Um, right. So she's not exactly a villain, but she's definitely an antagonist, uh, because in this one, right. So Jaime realizes that this is, you know, the, the blood scarab had left, um, like runes etched into the floor when it attacked Ted. So he reaches out to the one person that he knows that knows magic. And that's Tracy 13. Um, she's working at the, Obliv- uh, the oblivion bar, so they go there to talk. He meets Blue Demon, um, and she's like, "Yeah, I, give me some time. We can figure this out." They end up in Egypt in a in the tomb where Dan Garrett found the the uh, the original scarab, um, and that um, this goes even beyond the reach and. Uh, and Jaime and all the stuff that's been going on. Um, also in the last issue, the blood scarab had attacked Shepard Ord, who's one of the, one of the refugee leaders. Uh, and the only reason he survived is because their anatomy is different. So it's very clear that who's ever in the blood scarab isn't an alien is probably human. Um, but there's also a lot of intensity with the blood scarab. Um, and it seems personal. Um, and the fact that, uh, so we also find out that the blood scarab was the first scarab. It was forged in Egypt um, and that uh, with dark magic and kind of the reach technology um, so much that it consumed the Pharaoh uh, that, that had it created. And that's where it ties into the Dan Garrett is, I guess <clears throat> it ended up the Pharaoh character ended up coming back and giving Dan Garrett trouble. Right. Um, so as Jaime's trying to figure all of this out, the Blood Scarab attacks uh, Shepard Ord again. Uh, but luckily, Starfire's there uh, with Dynasties and Natita. And uh, Dynasties ends up taking a, a big, big hit. Um, and so it looks like she's down for the count. Um, and Jaime and, and Tracy 13 show back up in the nick of time um, for Jaime to um, basically set up a, a small defense and uh, Tracy 13 ends up using a combination of magic with the reach technology, which is able to, to help. Um, it was able to help them. Uh, but the issue ends with uh, Jaime and Tracy 13 having an, an argument that Jaime needs to do better. And that, you know, yes, he can't kill, but if Blood Scarab is is willing to do that, you gotta be willing to go to the next level to save the people that you care about. Um, 
the art here is probably at its best, uh, even back to graduation day. We get a lot of, uh, like, Egyptian temples, but also uh, some sci-fi action, because Jaime ends up in the Blood Scarab attacks. He goes into the legato form, which is, you know, where he goes into the full armor with the big sword arms, and it, it looks really cool. Um, and uh, the fight with Blood Scarab, like, in order to show Jaime fighting, there's these big blue like swoops that take up like the whole page. So it's, he's kind of like omnipresent when he's in this form. Um, but yeah, um, I'm always happy to see Starfire show up and, uh, the art here, uh, is fantastic, uh, with her. She's, her hair's up on all over. And again, a lot like Jaime and Legato form takes up whole pages. So, uh, but, but yeah, I'm just double checking because I read this earlier. Um, in the week, so it's been a minute, but uh, also Math, uh, Madam Zanu, that's that's who they're going to meet in the Oblivion Bar. I left that part out. Is Tracy 13 takes uh, Jaime to uh, Madam Zanadu, who reads the tarot, and that's where we get the history of the Blood Scarab, uh, and that's what leads them to go search in Egypt. So, um, really enjoyable. I'm glad I got uh, caught back up. It's it's doing that kind of he's no longer a teen. He's still right. He's still trying to find himself uh, in in the superhero world. Um, and uh, so it still gives that kind of Spider-Man-y vibe that I always associate with Blue Beetle. Hmm. And Trujillo is doing a real good job at, at the characterization. Um, so I'll give this an eight out of ten. All right, cool. Uh, that'll take me on to a book uh, every month at patreon.com slash TV. you can make myself a Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers and I'll be looking at Batman and the Outsiders issue 8 uh, this episode so uh, last two issues were the, the Cryonic Man stuff and uh, mm -hmm. this issue I was promised some Phantom Stranger the cover promises some Christmas stuff so it's weird that it's worked out that it's almost at the right time of year. We're just a month early for this, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this is a... Uh, uh, Mike W. Barn, Jim Aparo, uh, who are working on this one. Uh, th th this is... So, the, the the title page, before the story gets kicked off, is just the Phantom Stranger talking some nonsense about uh, fate and Christmas and whatnot. But it looks like there's a bunch of children in nappies, or uh, diapers, sorry, for the Americans. <laughs> uh attacking the outsiders and i went okay what's this what's happening so the story starts it's a snowy day there's a, a young couple the woman's pregnant and they're talking about christmas and that she's due soon and it's just friendly banter but when they're getting home they notice there's a police car and they think is that outside our house and they're like no it's our neighbor and they go up and they find out that their neighbor uh their their neighbor's baby has been taken right they're gone and the police are there trying to figure out who's kidnapped the baby. And then the, the red-headed, mustached cop shows up, and Batman's there. And so Batman's working the case. They're trying to figure out what happened. Uh, this woman just remembers getting knocked in the head, and then she woke up and her baby was gone. I said, okay, fair enough. Batman grapples off. Uh, we see some of the other outsiders doing some Christmassy stuff. Katana's with Halo buying Christmas presents. So that's the thing. Uh, the outsiders are training back at the Batcave, uh, honing their skills. Except Black Lightning, who's at the cemetery looking at the gravestone of, uh, was it Trina Shelton? 
uh, the woman he feels responsible for killing. And just as he's leaving, this older couple arrive at the cemetery. And this is actually not even for this issue, really. This is more like setting up the next issue. But the older couple turn out to be the Shelton's parents, and they're handing over uh, a contract to uh, New Wave, a member of the Masters of Disaster, which is a great name, might I add. Uh, they're hiring them to kill Black Lightning. So that's actually setting up the plot for the next issue. And I know it's the next issue because when I got to the end, it says next time Masters of Disaster. So mm-hmm. yeah, my, at least my deduction leads me to believe that. Yes. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, this old man shows up uh, in police custody. Right, He shows up to the hospital and the police arrest him because he has fingerprints that match the crime scene where the baby was taken. And Batman's here and he's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. This man can barely walk. He's really old and weak. And he's like, yeah, that's strange. How do we do this? So Batman's just grappling around after he leaves the building and he thinks he sees the Phantom Stranger and the Phantom Stranger kind of like gives him some like hints. He's like, trust your uh, instincts, Batman. They might lead to something, uh, you know, whatever. And then Phantom Stranger, and for lack of a better term, he Batmans out the scene and Batman's like, whoa, where'd he go? I could have sworn I just saw the Phantom Stranger sitting there. So this is setting things up. And basically what Batman goes and does is he checks the fingerprints of the old man to the fingerprints taken of the baby. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure they don't take fingerprints of babies when they're born, but sure enough, I'll, I'll go I mean, with there, there are handprints and stuff, though. Is there? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if they're, like, fingerprinting, like they're looking for a crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? It might just be, like, a, you know, new hand stamp type deal. Yeah. But he discovers that they're the same. That this old man mm-hmm. is the baby, who's somehow 85 years old now. Uh, it's like, okay, alright, so we're getting weird. I like it. Uh, there's some more character stuff here. Metamorphos try to call, um, what, what's her name? Sapphire. Uh, and Simon Stagg's like, get off the phone, you bum. So, he's he's sad about that. Uh, Brian's trying to call Markovia because he wants to talk to his brother, but the phone operator's like, sorry, everything's busy, we can't let you through. So he's sad about that. Everyone's sad. It's a sad Christmas for the outsiders. Oh, okay? man. So, then we cut to like a it's like a nursery and a bunch of kids have all turned into old age people and basically this woman who like was looking after the kids basically just turned around and they'd all turned into old people and she doesn't know what happened so this is where phantom stranger shows up actually talks to batman a little bit and sort of says something weird's going on here um like we have to investigate this this further uh, the next best guess is that you know it happened to one now it's happened to like a, a dozen kids the next logical target is the children's hospital that's got hundreds of patients in it so that's where they're probably going to go next and then when he disappears out the scene batman walks off with a smirk in his face and he says i wonder if my disappearances uh, shake people up just like that i hope so so the writing's actually acknowledging that what Phantom Stranger just did was Batman out of the scene. And Batman's respecting it and saying, oh, I hope I freak people out like that when I do it. <laughs> so that's all good fun. Um, so they go to the hospital the next day. They're all kind of staking it out. Geoforce actually is flying over the traffic. And the couple from the start of the issue with the pregnant woman uh, are in labor and they ask for his help to get to the hospital so he flies the car to the hospital and 
This is where things... Pardon me. Ooh, this is where things get a bit weird. And I was not prepared for some of the... <sighs> Downright David Lynch panels that I was <laughs> oh, that no. I was about to get here. Uh, so she's taking... Are we, are we, which David Lynch are we talking about? Are we talking Twin Peaks or are we talking Eraserhead? I don't know. I wasn't trying to be that specific. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but she's taken to the delivery room, right? And she gives birth to what looks like a 12-year-old, but the 12-year-old is, like, floating upside down naked. So you see he's, like, naked tush from behind as he's floating, and he's, like, thinking to himself, uh, you will not touch me, doctor, uh, much less strike me unless I w- wish you to. Um... I will now turn into my true form. And then, so you get this like, evil-looking child and, like, beams of light coming off of him. And then the next page, he turns into Tanarak, who I got from the context of this issue is a Phantom Stranger villain that I did not know. Mm-hmm. But... one of the Also one of the Lords of Chaos. Yes. So... So, basically, what Tanarak's been doing is that the last time he fought Doctor... Or, uh, Phantom Stranger, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently... Stranger won the fight by using magic that turned, basically made him age into oblivion, where he de-aged and mm-hmm. then disappeared. But the spirit of uh, the spirit of uh, Tamarack, sorry, has been feeding off the youth of children, which is what's turning all these kids old, until he found the right host to actually just straight up take over. And that's what's happened here with this childbirth. But some of the visuals of this childbirth and then him turning into Tanarak were outrageous. And I couldn't believe my eyes. I was baffled. I, I So, yeah, basically, he starts, like, sending out a signal which t- controls all of the children in the children's hospital. And that's how he takes on the outsiders, is that all of these toddlers and diapers all come running at the outsiders. And... Geoforce and Black Lightning are like, uh, how do we fight this Batman? We can't punch them. What, what do we do? What do we do? And Black Lightning is even thinking, oh god, what if I kill one of them too? So he's st- he's still not over the whole killing someone thing. He's he's very mm. much in a bad place. Uh, but you know they have to try and detain them. So Metamorpho makes a cage. Katana tries to wave her shiny sword at them so that they'll be distracted by it. <laughs> It's, it's very absurd it's a very absurd premise that we dive into in the back half of this issue uh tanarak's fighting phantom stranger and this is where it gets actually kind of dark as well is that phantom stranger is fighting him and tanarak basically says look to destroy me you'd have to destroy the host that i've taken so that would mean killing this innocent child that's just been born and you won't do that and Phantom Stranger just replies with, well, I don't want to do that, but if you're going to keep, like, aging up all these innocent children, which could turn into thousands, if not millions, down the line, then one life is worth that. And then he just, like, <laughs> he zaps him in the face or whatever, and it looks like Tanarak's face disintegrates and it's like it's all like it's like it's fallen away. It's actually quite a grim looking image uh, for, for the type of art that it is. And then that magically takes all the old people who were kids, turns them back into kids. It reverses everything, so it's a pretty happy ending. But of course, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, but this young couple just like in fact, they gave birth to a twelve year old freak. 
there's a re- uh, yeah, and then he died, and then yeah. Phantom Stranger had to kill him. And there's even a yeah. reaction panel of the mum who's lying on the, the bed still crying, Aww. saying, "No, he stole my baby," and then you see him die. And I'm like, this is uh, this issue is absurd. This like I've seen so much weird stuff. I've seen weird childbirth. I've seen babies fighting the outsiders. Now I'm seeing this woman crying that her baby's being killed by the Phantom Stranger because an evil guy's <laughs> possessed them. And this is part of the Christmas. Event, right? This is the Christmas issue, yes. Yep, yep. Right? Uh, luckily, though, uh, the next page, the doctor says, hey, wait a minute, she's about to give birth again. And I'm like, oh, maybe she was having twins. And I thought, that's still quite dark, though. She was, If, it was, if she was meant to have two, then it's still dark yeah. that one's dead. But yep. then the doctor says, no, like, she was definitely only pregnant with one child beforehand. She wasn't pregnant with twins. And then Phantom Stranger says, well... Perhaps fate stepped in to balance things out on this occasion. And I went, well, that's lucky for you, Phantom Stranger, because you're the yeah. one who killed the little shit. <laughs> God, Phantom Stranger kind of sucks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, basically, it ends with the outsiders uh, all just going and looking at the maternity ward and being happy they saved all the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a brief moment here where Halo goes up to Phantom Stranger and says, hey, can you give me my memory back? And Phantom Stranger is just like, Sorry, no. <laughs> At least <laughs> I'm shortening it a bit, but that was the I gist can, of it. I can, I can, you know, deteriorate Tanarak into dust, but I can't give you that. Yeah. Back. Um, this was a wild issue. Like, like the first half was fun for all the the, the Christmas vibes and stuff, but once you get to the second half, the plot is insane. But I can't lie, that made it entertaining. Like I was laughing hysterically at how absurd it was, and was enjoying the insanity of it all. Uh, also, actually, I glossed over this before. Uh, so when they're all like in the hospital undercover, right, and then the, the childbirth happens, the outsiders yeah. who are around the hospital all come running to that that ward, right? Uh-huh. And they, they're all in disguise, right? So Metamorpho looks like a regular guy with a hat on and, you know, Halo's got a red coat on and so on and so on, mm-hmm. right? And they're running, and they're running with this doctor who's like a, like a doctor in a white suit and he's got like a bald head, and Metamorpho says, hey, mister, why are you with us? The next panel, the face rips off, and it's Batman already wearing his cowl. And all I could think was, where were the ears? The cowl ears are there. Uh, he did an Ethan Hunt reveal, but he was already in the suit. Oh, my God, that's so funny. I love it. I love it. Ten out of ten. Like, I... Like, do you know what? There's this thing that old comics have. There's this weird, like, l- line they ride where there's parts of them that are genuinely great and they really pay attention to characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also these little things like this which are so stupid, but because they're of the time, they're so endearing where you're like, you know yeah. what? I can't help but love that they just did that. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And if a modern comic pulled this, I'd be critiquing it to shit. But in this comic, I, I, I laughed. I was into it. I was like, yes, give me more. Yeah, it gives it a thing of, like, nobody's paying attention, right? We're gonna we're just going to do this, and no one's going to stop us. We're going to – because it had to have been a choice, right, to draw, you know, the, the, the cowl on Batman after he pulls off the face, you know? right uh, yeah yeah it's just it's just it's wild right yeah. I, I i i can't i can't really say it but obviously i love the art of that that panel that was mm-hmm. great um all the all the crazy like wild concept panels were, were entertaining as well 
I dig yeah, that was great. I had a great time. Like, there's definitely some stuff in it that I can laugh at. Some intentional, some just weird oddities of the time that I also enjoy for mm -hmm. what they are, but are definitely weird by today's standards. But this is probably the craziest issue I've read of this book so far. But I can say I did enjoy it. Uh, it says, next time the Masters of Disaster and a Halo solo story. So I don't know if they're splitting it into like a, a main and a backup next issue, but uh, that's what's coming. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Also, the Masters of Disaster seem to have a cold base villain. I'm not sure if that's just an old costume for someone that I already know, like an icicle or something like that, or if I'm about to learn about the 11th cold base villain that DC have, but we'll find out. Do you want to know or do you want to find out? I gotta tell me if you know. If you happen to know. I feel like this is why this book was given to you. <laughs> because that's the first appearance of the one and the only. Oh no. Oh no. Cold Snap. <laughs> yes! Do you know what's really sad? Is that the outfit here is... It's like a cross between Captain Cold and Cyclops from the X-Men. Like That's what uh -huh. this outfit is that he's wearing. Just based on the cover for the next one. Okay, I can't wait. We got the first appearance of Cold Snap next issue, everyone. Buckle in, fasten your seatbelts, because... Oh, this is this is College of the Multiverse Royalty coming in next time. So, so when when you brought up Master of Disaster, I went to the next issue. Oh, we yeah. always have uh, one of the wikis open. Um, and I was like, Master... Oh, and I saw the name, and I was like, I couldn't wait to tell you, but I didn't want to spoil it for you. Uh, but, mm. you know... Yes, first appearance of Cold Snap, and again, I feel like this is why you're given Batman and the Outsiders. Very possibly, it was all the build to Cold Snap. Very, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. Well, well, <laughs> well there you go. Uh, what do I rate initially? That I, like, I, I, I mean, <laughs> it sounds to me like a ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll probably just give it an eight. I think because I really enjoyed yeah. it, but some of it's kind of weird and silly, but. I appreciate it for that fact. Yeah, I need to keep some perspective here, but I had a good time. So uh, that's the important part, is the is the last we had along the way. Uh, so that'll take us out of the final part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, paddle slash moment, cover, art, all that stuff. Usually top five books, but it's really just top. Well, you could do a top five, but yeah, I'll, I'll, have top, I'll have a top three. So uh, what are you doing for paddle slash moment of the week, Matt? Um, Man, Birds of Prey had some good ones. Uh, Blue Beetle had a really good one. I don't mean it. Uh, I, I was going to yeah. say it. It's it, it's Ted dropping the warp drive and yep. causing the moon to almost explode. That, that's yeah. that's mine. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll go with um, I'll go from Birds of Prey, where they talk about uh, the favorite Batman, and it's uh, it's who is that? King Shark says that right. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll go that. That was that was a fun light moment. Yeah, yeah that's good, good stuff. Uh, cover wise, there's a nice Del Otto cover of Batman. There's a, there's a couple of good Batman covers actually. There's a mm -hmm. there's an action figure one, which I guess we can't really count as art per se, but it's uh, yeah, uh, funny all the same. Uh, there's a few good Shazam ones. There's, there's... Yeah, the the Barrio Nuevo with the shark with Shazam. Yeah, that's fun. Although I think I my really my favorite is probably the uh, Federici Shazam cover, mm -hmm. which is Shazam just sort of folding his arms. But it's a really really nice piece of mm -hmm. art. Uh, 
I think that's my pick. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, I'm checking the other Ivy ones. There's a, there's a Otto Schmidt Birds of Prey, which is obviously worth yep. mention. Yep. And there's also the Otto Schmidt uh, Poison Ivy, done in a similar style, but with Pam. Um, yeah. So I think I'm going to pick the regular Birds of Prey cover. I like okay. that it's got the birds uh, and it's got uh, the lasso looking like a noose with Wonder Woman in the, the foreground. You just see her hand and... Um, but yeah, that was that was a good one too. Yeah. Uh, so, art of the week. You what you, what you I got? Mean, I mean, this one, all, all of them were good. All five books that I read had, had fantastic art. I I liked Takara. Um, Gutierrez for Blue Beetle was also really solid, but I think I'm gonna give it to Mora just for the 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 different things. You know, Mary Marvel looks great. You got the T-Rex, you got the apes, you got Cargo, you have Queen Bee, you know. Um, it's all very, very solid. Yeah, I'm going with Mara. The, the, it wasn't too difficult to pick. I liked all the art I read this week, yeah. but uh, that was the, the standout for me. Mm. All right, rank your books, Matt. All right, one's going to be Birds, two Shazam, three is Beetle, four is Ivy, five is Batman. Well, mine's is easy. One's Shazam, two's Birds of Prey, and three, a distant three, might I add, is, yes. is Batman. So there you go. I will tell you what's coming out next week from DC Comics. So we have Detective Comics 1077, Batman and Robin issue three, Green Lantern issue five, World's Finest Teen Titans issue five, Superman Lost issue eight, Danger Street issue 11, Wesley Dodd's The Sandman issue two, the Vigil, issue 6. Wildcats, issue 12. Outsiders, issue 1. Uh, speaking of Outsiders. Uh, Speed Force, mm-hmm. issue 1 is also out next week. And uh, also Looney Tunes, 275, if that's your thing. So yeah, much more healthier list of books yep. for next week. Boy, uh, I gotta get caught up. Because I missed that week last month. You did. Because I, uh, I, I have a Titans, I have a Sandman. I was uh, sad not having you to talk about Danger Street with. So yeah. I'm looking forward to, to that. Uh, Sandman mm-hmm. has the Rosmo art, but I did quite like the story, so we'll yep. see how you feel about it uh, yep. when you when you dive in. Uh, yep. But at least you can start on those before they come out. Oh, yeah, before Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, I'll probably, depending on what's going on the rest of the day, I might dive in those so I'm not buried this week. Yeah, that's, that sounds smart. But yeah, go mm-hmm. Five, six, seven, eight. I've got nine books next week, man. Yeah, big difference from this week. So we'll see you next week for all of those. And of course, you can uh, support everything by simply hitting the like button on YouTube or giving us a five-star mm-hmm. rating on your podcast app of choice. But the main thing you can do, of course, is go to patreon.com slash TV and support us over there for a little bit of money every month. Uh, $5 and up, you get early access to the show whenever it's ready on the Saturday night, uh, which is varies depending on how long the episode is and how long the editing takes and all the rest of it. But it'll be there for you. Uh, if nothing else early Sunday morning before everyone else gets their hands on it but uh, any and all help is appreciated it keeps the lights on it keeps the books coming and we uh, keep doing the show so uh, that is comments from the multiverse thank you very much for joining us uh, check out the other content I make via Mail Fuzz Movies and Mail Fuzz TV various movie podcasts various TV episode reviews things like that uh, the movie podcasts all have podcast feeds. The TV reviews do not, because they're all there'd be too many podcast feeds. But mm-hmm. uh, you can go check out those if you like. But uh, that is the show. So thank you once again for watching or listening. I always appreciate it. Keep watching. Keep reading. Sorry, I'm in autopilot because I mentioned movies and TV. 
keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.